after God gets done crying about what we've done to each other uh, over division, I think God is going to have a, an incredible belly laugh about you know all the the things that we have painted onto God's canvas. And I, I can just hear God sitting somewhere saying, "You really believe that? You know, I made you all in my image." You, you really believe that this one is less or that one is less because they're female or this one is less because they're poor? This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Hey everyone, I'm Melissa Rao and this is Four People. Throughout this 2023 Lenten season, Bishop Wright and I are having brief conversations based on his five-part video series and study guides he shared with the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta. You can get access to the video series by visiting www.episcopalatlanta.org. This is part three of your series, Bishop, and it's called Jesus and the Different Water, based off John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. And it's the story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus by the well. So what is the different water? (laughs) Well, before we get to the different water, you know, it's the woman by the well. uh, But but I like to think of it as it's the Lord, the lady and the living water. Right. Uh, for, For those who are looking for three points to preach on. The Lord, the Lady, and the Living, and the living water. water. It's the longest conversation Jesus has with anybody, right? So, you know, I think that right off the bat, how, do, how are you misogynist still mm. uh, and a follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus' longest conversation is with a woman. Um, and, you know, well, so what is a different water? Well, I, I mean, I think the whole story really is about uh, she comes to draw water. He asks for a drink of water. Uh, you know, he tells her, hey, I've got water to give you. What's funny about the story is that it doesn't seem like either of them take a drink. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he doesn't seem to get his drink of water. And, and, and she, she walks away at the end of this conversation uh, and leaves her jar by the well. Uh, she's been poured into. That's right. Uh, uh, from, from Jesus and his words and his invitation. Uh, and uh, he has known her. He's looked into her life. He's seen the thirst in her relationships. She's, she's had serial relationships. Uh, he names that for her. Uh, what I love about her, she's not defensive. Uh, she stays curious. She knows that he knows her. He still wants to have a conversation with her. But the crux of the matter is, is that uh, this is a Jew and a Samaritan. They, they are uh, a religious, uh, they are religious relatives. Uh, they meet at their same ancestors well, but, but their, their groups worship differently. They worship differently. They worship different places uh, and, uh, and they worship in different ways. And, and it seems that one of the pieces of living water that happens in this conversation is, is that Jesus pours into her a spirituality that, that wants to wash away this sort of meticulous maintenance of division. Jesus talks about a spirit that will ultimately wash away all of the ways in which we've divided God. Uh, and he says is that what God is thirsty for, if you will, this is what I love about this story, what God is thirsty for is for, for people who want to worship God in spirit and in truth. And so it's a, it's a dynamic uh, a conversation. I, I love it because you can see her sitting uh, on the well uh, uh, with him, uh, you know, and people, it was a curious spectacle. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Uh, Jews don't share uh, cups in common. He asks her for a drink 
And yet there, there is Jesus uh, quietly rebuking all of the smallness that uh, both his group and her group had uh, meticulously maintained. Now, if I'm not mistaken, though, too, it's also the timing, right? So th- here's this woman who has deep shame within her, I believe, right? It, am, I, am, I, am I recalling? I, mean, I think, I think it, that the text doesn't name that, but I, I think that uh, when Jesus makes a comment about uh, the many husbands that she's had or not had or the relationship she's been in, um, that would have been unusual. Yeah, and um, she's not she's not with the other women, right? Because most of the right. times they would go in the morning, and so she may that's, have been an outcast. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. So I love how you say God is thirsty, and how our our mutual thirst is quenched when we can be in right relationship with God. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I think, you know, obviously we need water for our bodies and obviously we are, you know, God and God's genius made us mostly of water and we live on a planet that is majority water. Right. I mean, so God is not trying to eliminate, eradicate, you know, uh, our natural thirst, but, but there's a thirst in us that really needs to get checked, I think. Um, and, you know, I think this is what, what Jesus is speaking to this, this, um, this material thirst, this obsessive thirst, this ego thirst, this, um, uh, superiority thirst, this separation thirst, this uh, needing to always be right thirst, needing to always be first thirst, this uh, wanting to put my foot on somebody else's neck to get ahead thirst, um, this I'm not good enough thirst, um, you know, I'm small and insignificant thirst. I mean, this is what Jesus is sort of overflowing and eradicating and pouring into. And so I think that's what he's talking about uh, when he's talking about living water. But remember now, Jesus personally has seen water live. He saw at his own baptism. This, this is a funny story because, at least in my mind, it calls us back to Jesus' baptism when he saw water alive with spirit. He personally saw water live. And so I think that's how he's commending living water. He's, he's basically saying, hey, sister, this changed me and it can change you. And, uh, you know, the most flattering thing that happens in this story is, is that in this exchange where Jesus sees her, affirms her, invites her, welcomes her, talks about their commonality, etc., cetera, uh, she drops her jar and she goes run into her community. He poured into her so significantly and it overflowed into her spirit so significantly she had to go tell somebody. Exactly. Right? She had to share it. Yes. That's so different from the way we talk about evangelism in the church. We talk about evangelism in the church like it's a dental appointment and you should go here and you should say these things. No, this woman met, what's the story say? I met a man, right? And she had met many men, but there was something about this man, right? That uh, in, the, in the way that he saw her, affirmed her, invited her, that she had to go tell. And I want to make another point here. I love this story. You probably can tell. (laughs) For Jesus to end up at this well, he had to intentionally want to go into enemy territory. Right. And so so there's something there, I think, about living water, which is to say, you and I are living water. And and there, there are, you know, this living water, sometimes it gushes, you know, like a raging river, and it ought to take you someplace that you're not necessarily comfortable. That's right. Well, how often do we want to like, we want to put boundaries on the living water. We want to contain the right. living water and our cup runneth over, our cup overflows. And that, I think that's what happened there. I think that's great. Bishop, we're those water parks, right? They got the lazy river. Jesus is not a lazy river kind of water, right? It's like a raging, raging you know, white river. water river. 
I love it. Bishop, we'll be right back after a short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. And we're back. Bishop, some scholars say that the core of this passage is religious divisions. You know, the woman being a Samaritan and, of course, Jesus being a Jew. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, Jesus is always up to something. You know, I mean, he's the kind of guy who's not wasting his time or his words. And so in the story, he ends up, you know, like I said, in, in enemy territory. He's there for a reason, it appears, because if you look at the map, he could have stayed clear of this place. I mean, he didn't have to go this way. And I don't buy the argument that he was so thirsty he had to show up at that well. I imagine there was some water on the way he could have gotten. I, I think he wanted to go there. I think he's always trying to make this point about who God is. Uh, you know, and who God is is that God is not bound by our divisions. God is not bound by the walls that we build. And so he ends up in this conversation, you know, with a woman. And, and as we've already suggested, you know, someone who is highly likely an outcast and a part of a group that is not his group. And so Jesus is making that point. But if you if you trace the conversation, they're really having a conversation about Jews and Samaritans. It's really a conversation about, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, um, you know, how do we worship? Who do we worship? Where do we worship? It's It's back there. And she keeps getting seduced by those kinds of conversation pieces, and Jesus keeps pulling her forward into something different. He's letting her know that some of that stuff was process, right? You worship there, we worship there, but there's a time coming where the only thing that's going to matter is spirit and truth. Now, that's an amazing thing for people who are sort of hard and fast denominationalists or hard and fast sort of, you know, they only think that their faith is the only way. Jesus seems to, to, to kind of rebuke that and kind of explode that notion. So it's an olive branch, I think, um, that he's extending to the woman across religious division. And therefore, maybe we ought to take a hint in the way that we maintain uh, religious division with other brothers and sisters. Yeah, I like that. And I, I'm also reminded, too, of what happens at the Eucharist at the table. You know, what happens when people gather around the altar rail? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of have this a problem with this notion that we we take communion, that we get or we receive communion, because I feel like that's the up and down part. But you say in your devotion, she's perplexed by his offer of communion through water because she knows that the Jews disagree. And I feel like how often in our own milieu, in our own context, that we disagree with our neighbor and yet we're going to the communion rail, and I feel like we're, we're being invited to extend grace even to our neighbor, despite the petty, silly, ridiculous differences that we have. No, that's right. And I mean, I, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, communion for us, I mean, you know, it's the, it's the body and the blood, it's the bread and the wine. And, you know, using your imagination, you know, you could say, well, that, that's sort of trying to wash away some of the ways in which we've stained life. Right. And we're trying to wash it away to use old language in the church, wash it away with the blood of Jesus. Right. Here in this story, you know, it's communion through water. And so that's the different water. This this water, this water uh, sort of wants to eradicate division. 
Um, and, and not difference, but division. And it, it's, it's the, you know, sort of contentious way in which we hold these things. Um, uh, you know, to do anything to be right. Um, you know, I think that God is going to have, you know, after God gets done crying about what we've done to each other uh, over division, I think God is going to have a, an incredible belly laugh about, you know, all the, the things that we have painted onto God's canvas. And I, I can just hear God sitting somewhere saying, you really believe that? You know, I made you all in my image. You, you really believe that this one is less or that one is less because they're female or this one is less because they're poor? I can just hear God just in, in, in the way that, you know, in Desmond Tutu's voice, just sort of having a great belly laugh and saying, haven't you read my story? Didn't you see the woman by the well? I was making community through water. That's why it's alive. That's why it's different water, because it's actually trying to generate new life. I can just, I, I, I just, I want to, I want to be sitting there. I hope I get in. I want to be sitting there. <laughs> I want to be sitting there when, when God is just having that restorative belly laugh with us. Uh, in the way that a loving parent can put two warring siblings together and say, now, look, kiss your brother, kiss yeah. your sister. So what's the invitation for us this Lent? What does this story mean for us? Or how, how might we be reflecting on it in this season of Lent? Yeah. Well, some water's got to wash some stuff off of us. And, you know, I, I, I trust the people who are listening. I trust God's people to 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 soberly and honestly ask yourself what needs to get washed away um you know what needs to get washed away in your life what have you allowed to sort of stain your life um and and it's not about you did it on purpose or it's you know sometimes we've figured out strategies to make it and now we have the luxury of reflection and we really need to reflect uh, and and now we need to say, you know, when I think of living water, I think of that that sort of invigorating kind of you know seltzer water that you use on a stain, perhaps uh, that 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 helps uh, helps a, a stain to sort of you know go away. Um, and so we ha we have to ask ourselves, you know, this different water that Jesus is offering, this communion water, this water that washes away division. How do I need it? Where do I need it? When do I need it? It could be a family member. It could be another denomination. It could be another church. It could be people of another color, gender, orientation. Uh, all of us need it. So there's no shame in saying that you need it. It's just, uh, you know, this Lent, do something do something brave and, and just admit that you need it uh, and ask God to just uh, show you how best to sort of uh, wash away these stains. You can't do it by yourself, but you can do it with his help. Amen. Bishop, thank you. And thank you listeners for listening to Four People. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back next week.